Good morning. Welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer on this Saturday morning between Good Friday and Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday morning. So glad to have you along as we've been talking about the events of Holy Week. It's been a tough week for me, technically. I, I am um, on the road quite a bit, and it's different on the road. I've got to have a, change a lot of settings. And then yesterday, I think I was just trying to do too much. I had some neat things I was going to share with you overwhelmed, and I've never crashed a computer before. I think that's probably what happened yesterday. But we're here today, and we're back, and this is an exciting time, because here's the question. Is the resurrection, did it really happen? Our faith is based on this. You know, years ago, I was in Cologne, Germany, and I was preaching the gospel on a campus, and some students started to heckle me in German. I didn't know what they were saying. I could tell by their body language and so on, maybe a little bit. And a guy stood up, defended me, and rebuked him, told him to be quiet. I kept preaching. At the end of the time, the fellow who defended me came up, and he was so excited to have heard me preaching the gospel. And he, and he said, you know, he talked about probably were no other believers on campus. He believed in God. He was really interested in theology, studying theology. And, uh, and he made a comment. He said, I was so excited, but I had one question. It almost seemed like you were implying that Jesus physically actually rose from the dead. You weren't saying that, were you? I said, I sure was. Yes, he was. He rose from the dead. And this guy said, well, well, that didn't happen. That wouldn't be rational. Typical German, right? And I explained to him, I said, well, no miracle is rational. No miracle has a natural explanation or a scientific explanation. That's what makes it a miracle. It's something that, that you'd never see otherwise or never expect to happen or have an explanation other than the power of God. He thought about it for a minute, and he said, well, that's interesting. Well, the Bible doesn't say it anyway, he said. The Bible doesn't say he rose physically. I said, yes, it does. He said, where? And I turned him to uh, Luke chapter 24, where Jesus appeared to his disciples, and he said, look at my hands, touch me. Feel me? You'll see a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. And he said, wow. He looked at that and he said, what translation's that? He still was skeptical. And a friend of mine pointed out that he had, of course, mine was in English. He gave him, showed him a German translation called the Luther translation. And as this guy looked at it and studied it and just pers- tried to read, it's like, it's like I'd thrown a cold water in his face. It's like he'd never, he had never seen or met anyone before who actually believed or even taught that Jesus physically rose from the dead. And consequently, that's why we see that nation has so much skepticism, unbelief. It's one of the reasons. And indeed, we cannot lose this. We can't ever get to the place of saying the resurrection was just Jesus lives on in our hearts or it's a spiritual thing or, or, you know, his message never died. No, he rose physically. He's alive forevermore. So did it really happen, though? That's the question. Did it really happen? If Jesus really did rise from the dead... It is the most significant event in all of history. No doubt about it. It's more than any war that's ever been won, more than any economic issue, more than any other idea. He would have conquered death. Death is the enemy of all people. It gets everybody. And nobody wants to die. 
We all try and prolong it. We want to live forever. We were made to live forever. And yet sin, the Bible teaches us that the wages of sin is death and all will die because of sin. And so this is the ultimate enemy. Did he conquer it? Did he overcome it? As the Bible says, or if he didn't really rise from the dead, then this story is the greatest hoax of all time because more people believe in this and have found hope and the, resurre- the, the message of Christ has changed more lives than any other ever. Yesterday, and again, I apologize because we crashed and we were talking about the death of Christ, but crucifixion is meant not just to kill a person. In our day, you know, if we execute a person, we, you know, he's got all, it's, it's not done rashly as it was done with Jesus. He went from trial, he went from arrest to execution within 24 hours. It's not done rashly like, today we don't do it rashly like that. Nor is it painless. Today, you know what we do, we put a guy to sleep, inject him with something so that he dies painlessly, or at least that's the hope. Well, in Jesus' day, No, the crucifixion was just the opposite, just the opposite. It was public. People were, Jesus was probably crucified on the road leading from Jerusalem to Damascus. Many people would have traveled by it, and he would have been uh, hanging there just over eye level. He wouldn't have been up on a hill like we sometimes see. It was most likely right there just a little higher than eye level. And all kinds of people would pass by and they'd see you hanging naked on the cross, humiliated, because Rome was making an example of you. Rome did not tolerate rebellion. And if you were being crucified, basically they were doing more than executing you. They were making a statement, you don't want to follow this guy. You don't want to be like this guy. And his disciples fled and people were gone. And something happened between that crucifixion when Rome was making a statement of him and and later on and even today where Jesus is now the most believed, known, and followed person in the history of the world. The largest religion in the world, obviously Christianity, we consider him to be the Lord and Savior. The second largest religion in the world, uh, Islam, they consider him to be one of the greatest prophets. They don't accept his deity, his death, or resurrection. But the two largest religions of the world, which constitute half the population or more of the world, both consider him like right at the top. Us, us right at the very top, and Islam real close. What happened between this being made a statement, you don't want to be like this guy, and now being alive? Excuse me, now being the most followed man ever. Well, what happened was the resurrection. The resurrection is what happened. He rose from the dead. No one's ever done that. And it is indeed our ultimate, it's overcoming our ultimate enemy. Well, let's look at, did it really happen? Let's look at what the scripture says first of all. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then it goes on, I, I didn't include it on the slide here, but then he goes on and says, and then he appeared to, then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, more, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then the apostles, and last of all, to one 
As to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. This is of first importance. This is our message. Let's never lose sight. This is what we are called to proclaim. This is what Paul proclaimed. This is what, the, the, what Jesus told his disciples to proclaim. And we find here some, there are seven facts that I'd like to share with you that I believe provide compelling evidence for the resurrection. Now, people say, can you prove the resurrection? And Scripture does use this. In Acts 17, verses 30, or the verse 30, it says that God, having overlooked the times of our ignorance, is now declaring to men that all everywhere must repent. For he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he's appointed, Jesus Christ, having furnished proof, there's the word proof, by raising him from the dead. The apostles, when they stood before the, the Sanhedrin and were declaring, and they were, you know, what are you doing? Who are you healing in this name? They said that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact, a fact to which we are all aware, we are all, that we are witnesses. Scripture does not present the resurrection as an opinion, a hope, or simply a story. It presents the resurrection as a fact and proof. Now, in our courts of law, we don't demand that something be proven beyond all doubt, but rather beyond all reasonable doubt. And the way we, and, and the way we determine what's true, there's a process. Basically, in a court of law, what happens is the, the, the one side's attorney will call witnesses. Say, and the witnesses will declare and tell us what they saw. Now, do we always believe, does the jury always believe the witness? No, because the witness then has to face cross-examination. And the, after hearing the witnesses and the cross-examination, the case for and the case to try and uh, the, the effort to undermine that story, the jury makes a decision. If you were the jury, I'm going to tell you the facts and the, and, uh, the case here. They're very simple. Number one. Um, and we see in 1 Corinthians 7 here, or 1 Corinthians 15. Number one, a man named Jesus lived. Number two, he died. By the way, these seven facts are pretty much in, irrefutable. Even when I talk to skeptics on campus, they don't deny these seven facts. Number one, a man named Jesus lived. Number two, he died. He was on a cross. He was crucified. He died. He was dead. They came to make sure, and they were going to break their legs. See, in, in crucifixion, you ultimately die by suffocation. You can't pull yourself up anymore to breathe. And they were going to break the legs of the, of the people, on the three men on the cross, so that they'd be dead before the Passover Sabbath day started. And when they came to Jesus, they found he was already dead. Just to make sure, they, they put a spear up into his heart, and out came blood and water separated, indicating that indeed he had already died. Number three, he was buried in a tomb. Now the tomb, if you've ever seen it, it's, it's carved into the side of a cave. And you can step in. I have stepped in what we believe to be the tomb of Christ. I've seen the place where he was laid. He was buried in a tomb, and the tomb was guarded by Roman soldiers because they knew he had made claims of the resurrection, and they weren't going to let his body be stolen. Those are facts. 
But here's a fourth fact. Number four, three days later, that tomb was empty. The body was gone. That's a fact. The body was gone. The stone had been rolled away. When the people came, the women came to anoint his body with, after the Sabbath was over, Sunday morning, and the body was gone. The tomb was empty. They went in and they found his grave clothes that he'd been wrapped in, the linen that he'd been wrapped in, was laying right where he'd been laid. But the body was gone. That's a fact. Number five, over the next 40 days, on at least 10 separate occasions, people said they saw him. Multiple, different people and multiple groups of people, like we saw here in 1 Corinthians. At one time, up in Galilee most likely, up to 500 people at once said they saw him. But he appeared to the women. He appeared to a couple men walking to a a neighboring city, Emmaus, just just a few miles down the road. He appeared to the disciples in the the upper room. Thomas was not there. They they told him about it. He said, I'm not going to believe that unless I... See the very nail hole in his hands and the spear wound in his side. Thomas kind of said, hey, I fell for this once before. I'm discouraged now. I'm going back. I'm not believing anymore. And eight days later, sure enough, Jesus was present. And according to Thomas, he, he, he was present in the upper room. Jesus came. Thomas was there. Jesus showed him the nail holes in his hands, the spear wound in his side. He said, be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas fell to his knees, said, my Lord and my God. And might I add, Thomas preached the gospel not only in Jerusalem, but he took it all the way to India. I've been to the place in Chennai, India, where he was evidently martyred for his testimony of the resurrection, which leads to point number six. Fact number six. All these people said they saw Jesus alive. Then they began to tell people about it. And for doing so, they were ruthlessly persecuted. This is a fact. They were beaten up. They were officially flogged. They were whipped. They were thrown in prison. Ultimately, they were put to death, almost all of them. Almost all of them. Of the, of the 12 disciples, 11 of them put to a cruel death for, what for their testimony, for their claiming, we have seen him alive. We're declaring to you what we've seen with our own eyes. As John put it, what we've seen with our eyes, heard with our ears, touched with our hands, this we proclaim to you. Point number seven. Never did a single person who claimed to be an eyewitness of the resurrection ever recant their testimony, their eyewitness testimony, even when faced with beatings, prison, confiscation of all their material wealth or death. To me, this is the ultimate cross-examination. The ultimate cross-examination is when they're out saying, this is what we saw. We, I saw him. He's alive. And when they're faced with the authority saying, stop saying that or die. Stop saying that or we're throwing you in prison. Stop saying that or we're going to execute. We're going to torture you to death. That's the ultimate cross-examination. And we have not one account in history of a single person who ever claimed to have seen Jesus alive from the dead and went back on it even when faced with that ultimate cross-examination. Folks, this is, I'm just saying, these are our facts right here. Real simple, and I encourage you to memorize these. They're really pretty simple. You simply remember, a man named Jesus lived. He died. He was buried. The tomb was empty. Three days later, the tomb was empty. 
on at least 10 occasions over a 40-day period, people claimed to have seen him. Multiple groups of people claimed to have seen him. They told people about it, and for doing so, they suffered greatly, and not a single one ever went back on this testimony. To me, that's compelling. It's evidence beyond all reasonable doubt. The only reason you wouldn't believe this is true. Any other evidence here, for actually, this much evidence for any other event of history would be overwhelmingly accepted. The only problem here is we're talking about a miracle. And so if you're not going to believe, you're not going to believe. If you're, if you're going to be a skeptic, if you, say there's no, if you say there's no God, then you say there's no miracles. If you say there's no miracles, then this miracle can't be true. So there must be another explanation. But if you believe there is a God, then miracles are possible. And if miracles are possible, then the miracles in the Bible are possible. And if those miracles in the Bible are possible, then this particular miracle, the greatest of all, the resurrection conquering death, if that's the case, then this miracle has ample evidence to compel us to believe it beyond all reasonable doubt. Hallelujah. He's risen. He's risen indeed. It's not just a story or a hope or a, or a fiction. It is compelling. And we believe, we do believe he did rise from the dead. I'm a member of the jury. I vote resurrection. He's alive because he's alive. It brings whole new hope to life. This We'll talk about this tomorrow on Resurrection Sunday. We'll talk about what the resurrection means. Today, we just established it really happened. Wow, there's never been anything like it. Father in heaven, we give you praise and blessing that you raised your son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. Indeed, you took what seemed like such a, a sad day on a Friday. It was a victory. We just didn't realize it yet. His disciples didn't realize it. They were disappointed, despairing, hiding, fearing their own life was in danger. Little did they know that you, it was actually a victory, but we were, they were going to see it just the following Sunday. The 48, three days and nights later, they were going to see this amazing victory, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, we want to thank you that our faith is based on something solid. Our faith is based on true history. Our faith is based on something that really did happen. We believe it. It's not true because we believe it. It would be true whether we believe it or not. You rose from the dead. And for this, we give you praise. You, have, you are the ultimate winner. This is the ultimate victory. This is the greatest hope anyone could ever have. And for this, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. So glad to have you along today. So glad you're with me. You know, we come here every day, and we get in the Word of God every day. I'm here every morning, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. I hope you join me. We believe that by, we, we need the Word every day to feed our soul, to make us strong, to inspire us, encourage us. That's my hope that what I do. And so that's, that's a gift I want to give you. So I hope you join me every day, 8.30, or you can come later and watch the videos later. 
I always leave them up online, or you can listen to the podcast on the Apple, Spotify, or Google platform. So until tomorrow, until tomorrow, God bless you. Rejoice in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Be filled with the joy of the Lord, because in the Lord, we are more than conquerors. Amen. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow, Easter Resurrection Sunday. Please join me. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.